Now, here's the question, Sean. You know, we don't, (laughs) I feel like for the last few months we've gone against this, but typically we don't talk about political stuff here at Christiansburg Baptist Church, right? We try to focus on the kingdom of God and we try to stay out of politics, although we have been praying a lot for our nation and uh, things like that. Why do we weigh in on this particular issue? Why is it that this is it? By the way, um, let me go ahead and before we go any further in this, let me pause and just say one thing. Statistics being what they are, it's highly likely and probable that there's somebody either in person with us or watching us online who has either had an abortion or been responsible for an abortion decision. We want you to know that as we communicate the truth of God's word, we want you to know that there is grace, there is forgiveness, there is full reconciliation available to anyone who's done anything. So this is not to try to make anyone feel condemned or uncomfortable but we want everyone to know why we stand where we do when it comes to issues of life. See, we as a church are pro-life. And unfortunately, sometimes pro-life and anti-abortion get equated as the same thing. And what I'll say as we say that is pro-life is not less than anti-abortion. That's part of being pro-life. But as a church, we feel strongly that God is for every single human life, okay? I want to be very careful today, by the way, too, as we're talking about this. Um, I know that there's been a lot of discussion over the last year about the idea of black lives matters versus every life matters and things. If you hear me say every life matters today, I'm not intending it in that kind of context. I'm simply wanting us to focus today on the fact that every human life, both preborn, born, old, young, everywhere in between, is created uniquely in the image of God. In fact, that's what I want us to look at this morning. So go ahead and open your Bibles up here to Genesis chapter 1. If you catch nothing else out of what we've talked about this morning, I want you to see that every human life is valuable because we are created in the image of God. By the way, for those of you who are here this morning and sitting here thinking, man, I didn't want to come for some kind of political talk or something, keep in mind this applies to you. I dare say the vast majority of us at some level struggle with our significance, right? Do I really matter? Do I, have I accomplished enough for people to be proud of me? At some level, all of us struggle with our identity. And here's what I want you to, to hear, whether you're watching online, here in person, you matter if for no other reason than you are created in the image of God. Now, we're going to try to unpack some of what that means this morning. As we're picking up here in Genesis chapter 1, this is the Bible's account of how God created the world. Around here, we do believe and teach that this was six literal 24-hour periods of time. And we've been going through these days of creation where God's been creating and doing different things. Thus far, God's been simply speaking things to existence. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let there be an expanse to separate the waters that are above from the waters that are below. And and as God spoke, he created, and all of these things came into being. So far, that's how he's done the heavens, the earth, separating water from land, bringing forth vegetation, creating the sun and the moon, and filling the seas, skies, and land with fish, birds, and animals. Now, he's not done creating. He looks at the end of verse 25, and he looks at all that he had made and said that it was good. But he's got one more creature to make. 
This creature is unique out of everything else God makes in at least three different words. We could call it triple D this morning for those of you who are fans of diners, drive-ins, and dives or who've been in a hotel and that was the only thing worth watching, okay? It's not gonna be diners, drive-ins, and dives, but we are gonna use three words that start with a D to describe what makes humanity unique. Read it with me this morning. Starting in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you and the wildlife of the earth and every bird of the sky and for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything that has the breath of life in it. I've given every green plant for food and it was so. Verse 31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good indeed. I love it. Before God creates man, he says that it's good. But after he creates humankind, after he creates the first people, he steps back and looks and says, this is very good indeed. What we're going to see this morning is that human life is unique because we're created in the image of God. But I want you to see not only is that true collectively of all of human life, but also of individual human lives as well. You are individually created in the image of God. And therefore, no matter who you are, no matter what race you are, no matter what your ability level, what accomplishments you have in life, whether you're born or pre-born, whether you're alive or whether you've even died, you have value and worth and dignity. Because by the way, life doesn't end at death. We get into that a little bit later. All right. Now, let's dive into this. Are y'all awake this morning, by the way? Okay, you good? Okay, all right. First thing that we see that makes humanity unique is that God's design of humans is unique. The very way that God went about deciding to make us or describing the way he was gonna make us is unique in all of everything else. Look back at verse 26. He said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, as you look at that, by the way, um, scholars debate when God uses the word our there, most likely this is not necessarily a reference to the Trinity, although it could be. It actually is more likely a reference to the majestic plural is what that's called. If you've ever seen you know, a show about the monarchy and they've said, we are not amused, you know, and they're talking about themselves, using that majestic plural, that's likely what's going on here. Now, we look at this and understand that, that God God does exist as a trinity, but that's probably not exactly what he's saying here. However, when he says, let us make man in our own image, that's a totally and completely different design than everybody else. Now, that isn't to say, by the way, that when God created us dramatically different, that's not to say that God didn't use some of the same physical or material building blocks that he used when he made other creatures and creations. So if somebody says, well, you know, our DNA is almost exactly the same as a primate, or, you know, we have this system that's a lot like this animal or this creature, there's no problem with that. That doesn't challenge the biblical doctrine of being created in the image of God. God just used the same building blocks materially. What set us apart is not necessarily our physical bodies or the physicality of how we're made. However, there is something dramatically different about being created in his image. Do you realize that nothing else in all of creation is created in the image or the likeness of God? 
not even angels, right? Like we've talked about angels before, how they're probably a lot scarier than we think of them being. You know, they're these mighty warriors who show up and every time they show up, people, you know, get afraid and and in fear. There's nothing in scripture that says that the angels are created in the image of God. So humanity is unique because we're created in God's image. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to be created in the image of God? I don't know. How's that for, you know, aren't you glad that you pay your pastor to know things like this and this is what he comes back with? See, scholars debate all over the place exactly what it means for us to be created in the image of God. Donald Fairburn in his book, Life in the Trinity, which I would recommend to anybody who wants to do a deeper dive into the Trinity. Uh, This is a great book, a great resource. And in that book, he highlights a few different possibilities. Some say that it's because as God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that being created in his likeness means that we're created with a soul, a spirit, and a body. Okay. Some have looked at it and said that uh, it's got to do with the fact that we have a will, that we can decide to do things and decide to act, and we're not simply reactionary or behavioristic, but we actually have a will and ability to do things. Others have said that it's the fact that we have a spiritual nature at all that allows us to communicate with God, that we'll live forever with him and things like that. Truthfully, if I'm going to come down on one side or the other, I'm most likely going to come down on the side of us having a spiritual nature being what it is that means to be created in the image of God. That seems to make the most sense scripturally. That seems to make the most sense experientially. Um, that what makes humanity unique is that we have this spiritual nature that commune with God that nothing else in creation has in the same way. Okay? Now, here's the thing, though. The Bible never explicitly says this is what it means to be created in the image of God. However, it doesn't mean that we're not. Like, look at the difference between the way God created animals and people, okay? Verse 24, God said, Let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock creatures that crawl, wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, and it was so. God just said, Let the earth produce these things, and they came up, right? God said, Let the fish be in the waters, and there were fish in the waters. He said, Let the birds fill the sky, there were birds to fill the sky. But with humanity, he actually stops and records the fact that he's doing something different. It's very interesting, actually, if you notice, because he said that the animals were to produce animals of their kind. That makes sense with what we see today, right? A dog has puppies. Cats have kittens. A donkey has birth to a donkey, right? So in the same kind of way, things give birth to things that are of their same kind. But here's what's interesting. The animals were to bring forth I know some of you are sitting there playing the mule game. Okay, all right, yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. They're sterile, they can't reproduce, so come on. I saw, I saw at least three people who, who immediately said, well, you know, a donkey could actually have a mule. I knew when I was using that 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 was the wrong one to use, okay? However, that line cannot be propagated for those who are familiar with it. Some of you are gonna, you know, anyway, keep those cards and emails coming, folks. Um, they were to bring forth things according to their kind, Right? But what does God say when he's making man? He said, let us make man in our image. Now, I mean, it is true that people give birth to people, although baby people look like aliens for about a week or two. I'm just, they, they do. It's, we've got a midwife here who's nodding in agreement. Yes, okay. Uh, but those people that are born aren't just bringing forth puppies like you have dogs bring forth puppies. Now, every human life that's created from the moment of conception is created in the image of God. We may not fully understand what all that means, but that sets every human life apart, and that changes the way that we look at life around us. 
we have to look at things differently because everyone is created uniquely, all right? Not only that, but the development of people is unique. Not only God's design, but the actual way that he went about developing people is unique. Look with me. If you got your Bibles, you can turn the page over to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. In Genesis 2, he gives us a, a different view on the perspective or on the creation story. And instead of just talking about when he spoke man into existence, he gives us more detail about how he actually formed man. Look at chapter 2, verse 7. It said, Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. Guys, nothing else in creation. God said, let there be fish, there were fish. Let there be birds, there were birds. Let there be animals, there were animals. But when it came time to create in his own image, it says that God formed him from the dust. Some of you guys know I've taken up a hobby recently that's 3D printing. 3D printing is the closest I feel like you ever get to creating. I have this little vat of goo, and you shine lights in the goo, and magically something comes out of the goo. I tried to print the cathedral at Notre Dame the other day, just a little scale model of the cathedral. It failed miserably, okay? I mean, just catastrophic failure. It fell off about halfway through. and was just this glob about this big. I can't create anything. God can simply speak the universe into existence. Yet in this moment, God stoops down to the earth He picks up dust and forms it into a man. And then he breathes life into him. That's incredible, guys. When it came to actually developing the first man, you see God instituting this incredible care and concern as he watches over the creation of this, unlike everything else that that if you listen to uh, C.S. Lewis, if you read The Magician's Nephew, he talks about the creation account. And in his account, he has the idea of God singing over creation. And as the song carries across, life just springs up everywhere it goes. It's a beautiful picture. But how much more beautiful is the picture that, that God actually formed Adam from the dust and then breathed his life into it? See, human life is unique. You say, well, that's Adam. God didn't stop forming people just with Adam. If you were to go down to chapter 2, verse 21, it talks about when God created Eve. This was his helper. It said, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. See, when it came time to create Eve, God didn't simply say, let there be a woman. God took from Adam's side and fashioned this beautiful woman to be his wife. Yeah, well, that's Adam and Eve. They were the first people. Of course, that's how God did it. Well, we have stories throughout all of Scripture that point to the fact that God is well aware in forming an unborn child. He knows his plan for that child before that child's even in the womb. In case you want to write some references down, we're not going to take time to look at all of them. But in Genesis chapter 25, verse 23, God explains to Isaac and Rebekah that the children fighting within her are going to be two different nations that are going to fight with each other. So from before Isaac and Rebekah ever laid eyes on their babies, these two boys were fighting in the womb and God knew the plan that he had for them to make them into great nations of their own. Then you could go down to Judges chapter 13, verse 5 where you have Samson's parents that are told while he's still in the womb that God is going to use Samson to deliver his people Israel. 
Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, God explains to Jeremiah that he chose him and formed him in his mother's womb, setting him apart before he was born. These are all babies before they're born that God knows, that God sees, that God's working in. Same thing in Luke chapter 1. You have Zacharias and Elizabeth who are told that their son John the Baptist would be the prophet who would be the forerunner for the Messiah and that God had prepared him for that before he comes out of his mother's womb. In fact, we even know that when Mary shows up and she's already pregnant with Jesus, that John, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit from the time he was in his mother's womb, leaps inside of her. This is why we believe life begins at conception and why we fight to protect the unborn. Because from the very moment a child is conceived, that child individually and uniquely is created in the image of God. Not just Adam, not just Eve, every human life. See, this is what we're saying. Not just is human life in general unique, every human life is unique. Every human life has value. Now, the greatest expression of this comes from David in chapter in Psalm 139, verses that Debbie had on the screen earlier, and I want to look through them again. David said this, it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Guys, again, pause. Let's let's take this back from the the pro-life discussion for just a second. That's true of you too. That's true of you. God formed you in your mother's womb. Whatever the circumstances were that led to your conception, whatever took place after that and in your family life, whatever you feel like you've messed up irreparably, God formed you and knew every single one of your days before a single one of them came into being. You have unique value because the God of the universe shaped you. Isn't that incredible? By the way, it doesn't talk about animals this way. You can read Job chapter 38, 39 through there, where it talks about God's relationship to the animals. He knows where the mountain goats give birth, and he he helps the ostrich not kill her young because they're too stupid to understand what's going on. He talks about it that way, but nowhere does it indicate that God puts this level of care and concern on the life of an animal. Human life is unique. It's unique in its design because God set us apart and created us in his image. It's unique in its development because God knits together human life in the womb. That's why we believe that every human life, as we've said, regardless of age, ability, race, or anything else, is uniquely valued and significant. I want to draw your attention to one more aspect of humanity's uniqueness. Back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, we see also that God's desire for humanity is unique. God's desire is unique. Look at verse 28. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Then he goes on to talk about ruling the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and animals on the land. Now, it's interesting because God used similar things here. When we're talking about sea creatures and birds, we're actually told to be fruitful and fill the areas where they are. God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the sky or fill the waters. But here, God goes a step further and says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. 
Now, we have to be honest that as humans, we have often done a very poor job of taking care of the world that God's given us. This does not mean that it's our job to exploit all the resources that God's given us, to be cruel to animals, to rule over it in an authoritarian kind of way. Instead, we are God's stewards that he has placed over his creation and the world that he has made. We have a unique position in all of creation to be the ones that God has called to watch over and take care of the world that he's made. Now, in this as well, you see what some have referred to as the cultural mandate. This is the idea that God called man not just to to rule over it, but to take care of it, to discover it, to explore, to be able to learn all that we can about the world that God's made and create out of that what we can to help humanity continue to grow and to honor God. See, God has called us to serve a unique place in all of creation. In fact, isn't that what God told Adam and Eve to do? If, if you were to read the story, you know that, that God said that they were to tend the garden. That was their job. They were supposed to take care of the garden that God had planted and placed them in. In fact, they only had one rule about what they weren't supposed to do, right? What was that? They weren't supposed to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was one tree. Literally in the entire world, there was one tree that they weren't supposed to eat the fruit off of. God said, every green plant on the earth, I've given you for food. You can eat anything else. It's not this one. Here's the thing. As unique as people are, even though we are created in the likeness of God, unlike anything in all creation, that wasn't enough for us. You'll remember that when the serpent came to Eve, he said, oh, God doesn't want you to eat from that tree because if you eat from it, you'll become like God, knowing good from evil. Even though we had already been created in the image of God, even though Adam and Eve enjoyed a relationship with God where they could literally walk with him, they heard him walking in the garden in the cool of the day, they could literally walk with him, it wasn't enough. We wanted to be like God. So they did the one thing that God told them not to. They ate from the fruit of that tree. And after that, death came into the world. The relationship we were supposed to have with creation was broken. The relationship we had with each other, even with our own selves, was destroyed. Yet every human life still retains unique value. How can I say that? Because although we broke it, God took the steps to fix it. Not going to be on the screen, but many of you are familiar with the verse John 3, 16. God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. God loved the creation he had made. This unique creation, humanity, so much that he wouldn't let us die alone. But instead, he came to die in our place, to offer us his life, to welcome us back into a relationship with him, not because we were good enough to earn it, but because Jesus died in our place. We believe that every human life has value because you're created in the image of God. 
And if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus as your Savior and Lord, then right now you are estranged from God. You are dead in your trespasses and sins, regardless of the appearances you may be keeping up, and you are separated from God. Yet he loved you so much that he would die in your place and be raised from the dead so that you could be forgiven, you could be restored, and you could walk with him. I'm going to encourage you to do something with me. Just bow your head there and close your eyes wherever you are. My question for you this morning is, has there been that time in your life where you've recognized that God loved you so much he'd die in your place? Or are you still trying to do life on your own? If you've never surrendered to Christ, then today, cry out to him. Say, God, thank you for making me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying to forgive me for my sin. And I want to turn from that sin, and I want to turn to following you. You say, Sean, you don't know what I've done. No, but God does. And God did when he died in your place. Would you ask him to forgive you today? This morning, though, if you're here today and and you know that you know Jesus, you know you've been saved, would you take some time there and ask God to help you to see all of the lives around you as created in his image. The folks you don't like, they're created in the image of God. The person who's hurt you so deeply, they're created in the image of God. The mom who is scared and contemplating an abortion today, is made in the image of God. That unborn child in her womb is made in the image of God. Would you ask God to help you to see, to help you to respond to people as though they are uniquely created by him for a plan and a purpose? Maybe today you've been struggling with your significance and you don't feel like you matter to anybody. You are created by God for him. Would you just cry out to him and rest in that truth? As God has been expanding the ministry of the Pregnancy Resource Center, some of the avenues of ministry that God's opened have caused the staff to be in weightier conversations with darker topics than they would typically have been involved in. Would you pray that God would give the client advocates, the nurses, all of the staff over at the Pregnancy Resource Center, the strength that they need to be able to see every single person that walks through those doors as unique and created in your image, to be able to share the gospel with them? Would you pray about how God would have you as an individual or us as a church to continue to partner financially with the PRC so that the ministry that God's doing through them can take place in greater ways so that more people could hear they are created in the image of God? Spend just a moment there and pray. Now, that the PRC is not a political organization, but would you pray that God would bring an end to the evil of abortion in our nation. I think about a quote that I read several years ago from an archbishop who said, I 
don't long for the day when abortion's illegal. I long for the day when abortion's unthinkable. That's something that doesn't happen in Washington or in Richmond. That's something that happens in every human heart. So would you help ask God to help us to be a people who are so supportive of life before birth through the grave that people around us know that they matter to God and that God would turn this nation back in a unique way to follow him. America has always had problems, guys. We've always made mistakes, but we have a unique opportunity in history right now to be agents who point to the value of life. Father, we thank you that you created humanity so uniquely. That you created people with such a unique design. That you put such care into the way you developed Adam and Eve and even such care in the way that you knit us together in our mother's wombs. Even though we have an understanding of biology and, and things that many have not had throughout history, we still know that there's this beautiful mystery of how you work through the biology of all of it to create beautiful new life. God, would you help us to be people who are truly pro-life, to fight for the unborn, to support the mothers who are carrying them, to help the dads see how they can step up to the occasion and parent and father their children well? Would you help us to be a church who comes alongside single moms, who comes alongside those who are facing these kinds of pregnancies to help them to know that there are people who care about them and that they matter to God? And as we do that, would you allow the truth of the gospel that Jesus died in their place and was buried and rose from the grave so that they could have new life, would you allow that to be communicated clearly through our words? And God, would you help us to fight for life, whatever race, whatever sins, whatever struggles? Help us to also take care of the world you've made in a way that's pleasing to you. May we steward the resources you've entrusted to us in a way that honors you as the God who created it all, not in a way that we worship it, but in such a way that we honor the God who is the one who is worthy of worship. God, we do all these things because of who you are, for your name and for your glory. Would you be with Debbie? Would you be with the staff at the Pregnancy Resource Center? Would you be with every client who walks through their door, even if it's just for what would seem like a brief STI appointment? Would you allow them to be able to minister in an incredible way? And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor for what you're going to do through the baby bottles we collect, through the prayers that we pray, through the way that you work through your people. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.